Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter. So you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. All right, I'm here with Jack, probably uh, one of our younger listeners. Uh, Jack, tell us about yourself, who you are, maybe where you're about to serve your mission, and uh, why yeah. you support Leading Saints. Uh, I'm Jack Josie from Midway, Utah. I have recently been called to serve in Scotland and Ireland. It has been wonderful listening to Leading Saints to prepare me to be a missionary very soon. All right, Mark. So I'm Mark Josie. I live in Midway, Utah. I work for Franklin Covey. I listen to Leading Saints because it gives me insights about the gospel. It's thought-provoking, lots of good guests to kind of spur thinking around lessons. I teach the 14 to 18-year-olds at church, and there's lots of good topics that kind of you guys hit on that help me in those lessons. Leanne was telling me we go on runs together with her podcast, not actually, you know, physically, but uh, should right. we listen on your runs and tell us uh, why you support Leading Saints? So my name is Leanne Josie. I live in Midway, Utah, and I love listening to Leading Saints because it helps me to fill the spirit and it helps to get me outside of the box of my thinking sometimes and expand my thinking and and it helps me to see the gospel in a different light. It's the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankum, your host. And if you're new to Leading Saints, we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation like this, this podcast. Uh, we have uh, newsletters. We have online articles at leadingsaints.org. Definitely jump over there, hit the start here button, and uh, we'll show you around. Now, this is a How I Lead segment of the podcast where we're trying to uh, publish these more regularly on Wednesdays. Sometimes Thursdays, just depends on how organized we are. Sometimes we get behind, but we press forward nonetheless. And in this How I Lead, well, I should tell you, a How I Lead segment is where we talk with an everyday leader who has some leadership experience and just tells us how they lead. Not because they have all the answers or they crack the code or anything like that, but simply they have a personal experience that we may benefit from by hearing. And in this episode, we talk with Norm Hill, who's actually been on the main podcast before. He has written a book called What they don't teach you at the MTC that comes out in March of 2021. And uh, we talk about how he leads as a virtual missionary. He's a former mission president and has served in a couple of mission presidencies. And uh, he has thought about this question a lot as far as being a virtual missionary, especially for full-time missionaries. So this would be a great episode to share with a missionary who's about to leave on their mission, or maybe one in the field, if they can listen to podcasts. I mean, they should, right? This is some great stuff. Or really any uh, Latter-day Saint who's just trying to make more of an effort of uh, being a better missionary. So 
You're going to love it. Here's my interview with Norm Hill, how he leads as a virtual missionary. Today, I'm sitting down again with Norm Hill. How are you, Norm? I'm doing great, Kurt. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, no, I've really enjoyed our first conversation and uh, you're, you know, you're a busy body. You're making some great content out there and uh, we, you have a book coming out. Uh, I believe it's in March. Isn't that the release date? The release date's March 9th from Cedar Fort. What they don't teach you at the MTC. Yeah, what a great title. And uh, obviously this is some uh, content probably coming a lot from your experience working with missionaries, both as a, a counselor to a mission president and as a mission president yourself. And uh, and we live in a different time of, of missionary work. You're seeing online as you scroll Facebook, you know, unique, uh, sometimes whether they're dances or games or, uh, you know, animations that, <laughs> that missionaries are, are doing. And uh, it's, it's kind of cool to see that we're not necessarily knocking door to doors, which is probably a, a positive direction that we're headed, right? Uh, absolutely. I think so. The church is very innovative. The same time looks from a research point of view to see what works and what doesn't. And during COVID, uh, it's disrupting everybody's lives and routines. And as we've all heard occasionally from Elder Ubdor, this is a time for missionaries to think out of the box, to try new things. Now, in a, again, in a somewhat controlled, cautious way. It's not everything is available. It's instead, hey, let's step out a little bit. And so uh, when I served as a mission president, they had just announced iPads for missionaries. We weren't able to get iPads in for our missionaries in Africa. But today, almost every companionship has an iPhone with lots of access to the internet mostly through Facebook is what missionaries are using, but uh, mission presidents can request a broader use. And based on that, there's some kind of review that occurs in the missionary department and um, more than Facebook may be available to missionaries. Yeah, it's a definitely unique time. And, and how are you seeing as far as, I know you have even grandchildren that are serving missions and, and you've told me about some of those interactions of some tips and tricks you're, you're doing, because it is, you kind of get the feeling of, well, we need to be super creative where we're, you know, creating this uh, almost funny content online because it captures people's attention. But what tips or tricks or where do we start to understand or help missionaries uh, understand how to be a virtual missionary during this time? And I think there is a lot that we can do. Uh, if there's a missionary from your ward or branch, doesn't have to just be in your family. I write to currently to six missionaries, four grandsons, uh, then a young man from our ward who we think a lot of, and uh, then a, a niece, a grand niece, whom I actually uh, don't know very well. But we have a chance to talk a lot. And I would encourage uh, people to share their own experience when they see a video from a missionary. I personally am not one to really uh, resonate with the skits that are occurring, but yeah. <laughs> seem a little less serious, I guess is the best way to say, sometimes almost frivolous. Uh, I really do like the messages that are very similar to the campaign the church had some years ago, I Am a Mormon, where very real people being vulnerable and honest are sharing their testimony and their experience. And I think those can be enormously effective. In addition, uh, missionaries are being very creative. 
So I have uh, uh, two experiences to share. One is a missionary who is now serving in the Nevada Las Vegas mission was called to the Czech Republic. And when she was reassigned to Nevada Las Vegas mission, she joined a bunch of face group groups for women, especially professional women new to Vegas and said, Hey, I'm interested in, I'm a single professional. I'm interested in what's available for people who don't want to go to the strip or play poker. What's kind of available. And she connected with a fair number of, of women and they all shared some experiences. And somebody said, now, Tell me again, you said you were somehow going to the Czech Republic and now you're in Las Vegas. What's that story all about? <laughs> and so she explained what she was doing and had three or four people who were, were interested. One of those, they were able to begin teaching. Uh, they taught first remotely, then a portion of their, their time they taught in person and this woman was baptized, that she met just by joining this group of newcomers. I have a friend who is serving in the state of Washington who tells me a similar experience, a woman who plays jazz, piano, and a wind instrument, and joined a couple of jazz groups in the, in the Washington state area and had contact with people. And somebody said, Gee, you know a lot about jazz. What's your background? And she explained her background. And as a part of that, that she was in the state of Washington serving as a volunteer for her church. And through a series of interactions, several people were interested, started asking her questions. How's that for flipping the conversation? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that any day. And she was able to teach several people and invite one of the men that she was she and her companion were teaching to church, and he attended a Zoom church and had a great experience, and they're continuing to teach him now. So yeah. missionaries are doing things like that. I just read an email of an elder who was serving in the England-London mission, and he and his companion, trying to think of things to do, uh, started a, a cooking class online. Now, they only know how to cook one thing, spicy tacos. So they put on this cooking class. They had over 15,000 responses and started to say, well, what are we going to do for our encore? Because spicy tacos is all we know. <laughs> so with their second cooking class, they did spicy enchiladas. With their third cooking class, they did spicy burritos. With their fourth cooking class, they took another variation of spicy tacos. And, you know, they didn't have the same number as they continue to teach their classes on spicy tacos, but they took something they knew how to well do and do well. They didn't have musical talents. They didn't have the, the ability of some missionaries who have vocal or instrumental skills to do music that can often stir the soul. They did something that they knew. And because of that, they were able to have raise the profile of the church, have uh, some great gospel conversations. Yeah. On Facebook here, uh, Christine says that my son serving in Colorado has joined groups related to some of his hobbies, fishing and, and national parks. That's exactly what you're saying, right? Like finding the interest of the missionary and uh, embracing it. Yes. And then you can do it in a very authentic and genuine way. And I think that's really important as well. You don't join a group 
just to be able to teach. You join a group to be part of uh, an interest group that shares interests that you personally are, are, are about. And then by participating in that group, others will ask you what you're doing and ask for more information. And then instead of us sort of pushing things on others, it's a pull letting others say, well, what are you doing? And tell me more about you. And then very freely sharing who you are and what you are about. But you yeah. start with who you are. I just read earlier today a small manual that uh, a senior couple who were serving in Spain and are now serving in the state of Washington put together. They emphasize start with your first name. You know, when you go online, don't say elder or sister. Say, I'm Norm Hill, and I'm here in state of Washington, or I'm Norm Hill here in Barcelona, Spain, where the senior couple had served previously. And then you go into your interests. And people will, if you have their genuine interests at heart, they'll feel that, they'll sense that, and they'll respond in kind. And this is interesting because I feel like it's sort of breaking some some norms we've been used to. I remember on my mission, you know, I would go through areas and nobody but my companion, just because he saw the mail coming to me, ever knew my first name, right? And uh, I was just Elder Frankum to so many people, even in the ward. And, and even like revealing my first name was sort of, it felt awkward a little bit, you know, like, oh, but you're not supposed to call me that, you know, you're supposed to call me Elder or whatever. And then even with personal interest, there's this feeling of, well, you know, I sort of set that aside for two years and, and yeah, I like it, but I'll get back to that later. Let's get back to the gospel, right? And you can be so, so hyper-focused on, well, when can we teach you? Who do you know? We need to teach, right? And you, and you sort of miss a critical step of building a natural relationship where, because everybody else in the world is not building relationships like that. It's a natural thing. You find a common interest and then the conversation goes from there. And so, so I, I love this approach of finding these interest groups where, and it sounds like you're referring to like, maybe they go and find some Facebook groups of their interests and then they just go in there and, and converse as a natural person that has an interest there with no like undertone of like, and that's why I sure love Jesus Christ. Do you know about Jesus? Like there's not like this sly sales pitch, right? Yeah. There's no manipulation. That's the key. Mm -hmm. So again, I have a grandson who, uh, one of the interest groups he joined is Rubik's cubes. Oh, really? Cause he loves Rubik's cubes and he can, you know, give him a Rubik's cube uh, that he hasn't seen before. And it doesn't take him very long to rearrange all the squares. So he's going, uh, participating one of the groups that he's a part of with Rubik's cubes and talking to other people and getting acquainted. And as it comes up in normal and natural ways, which is what Elder Uchtdorf has been saying to us, don't stand on the street corner with a megaphone, paraphrasing him, but instead make normal and natural gospel conversations. So as a, for instance, back when I had a real job before I retired, um, when I had sons on missions and somebody would say, um, so what did you do for the weekend? We typically would get letters from home on Saturday. And I'd say something like, yeah, well, my son who's in Brazil or my son who's in the Bronx or in Queens, he was in the New York, uh, New York South mission. Here's something that happened to him that he put in his letter. A bunch of people 
threw water balloons at him. You know, it wasn't a gospel conversation in many instances, but it was a gospel context. Uh, similarly, I remember having a conversation with uh, someone at work and mentioning that I was going to go this over the weekend to peanut butter factory, that our church produced peanut butter in Houston, Texas, nationwide, and one day a month, gave it all to the Houston Food Bank. And I had two or three people say, really? You, you guys do peanut butter? I'd like to do that. And a couple that I worked with came with me to can peanut butter for the Houston Food Bank and loved it and started to share with other people. Hey, you know, I went with Norm Hill and his family and we made peanut butter. They're doing this through yeah. their church. Isn't that great? You know, yeah. what is, does your church do anything like that? Shouldn't churches be doing more stuff like this? And so he was more of an advocate than I ever was from the experience. Yeah. I, I think you can do that same kind of thing online. Yeah. Uh, get involved in meaningful activities, share thoughtful conversations with things that you're already interested in, and then it's natural and normal, and let other people ask, well, who are you, and how do you know about this stuff, and why are you where you're physically located? Yeah. And I hope everybody's picking this up. Obviously, we're sort of talking in the context of a full-time mission, but you know, anybody can do this in, in these defining interest groups with the intent of, you know, you, you kind of feel like I'm on Facebook, I'm maybe wasting time, I need to be with my family, but say, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna engage in some of these groups. And naturally, as these conversations come up, I'm gonna make it well aware of my background, my belief in Jesus Christ and and my membership in the church and and see where it goes from there, right? And, and this is what uh, I think full-time missionaries can do in our homes. I mean, we've probably all experienced where the missionaries come, we've had them for dinner, they want to share a message, we listen to the message, and then we're kind of waiting for the shoe to drop and say, okay, give me your list of friends. Well, sometime we've been so involved in the church for so long, we've gone through our list of friends. And yeah. as Elder Ballard uh, said in a recent conference message, sometimes we don't want to hear about missionary work because we feel already a sense of guilt that we're not doing enough. Well, instead of perhaps uh, the missionaries just asking for friends, in addition, what they might be able to do is teach us better how to be virtual missionaries. They can come to our home, share their experiences. Yeah. Um, the couple from Colorado whose son is serving uh, or son is serving in Colorado fishing and hunting, you know, What's he doing and how's he doing it? Share those kind of experiences with us as members. Teach us how to share the gospel more effectively. And as President uh, Oaks has said, his advice in a conference talk uh, sharing the restored gospel, I think it was 2018, is people aren't as interested in the doctrines of the church as they are the fruits of the gospel. Hmm. And part of the fruits of the gospel that they will be most attracted to is what interests them the most. Maybe they have a teenage son or daughter who they're struggling with, and so they would, they'd be interested in youth activities, or they have a primary child, and they're not quite sure how to teach them about honesty or about inclusiveness. And so we can share what happens in a primary class or how we're teaching in our home-centered church. All those kinds of 
things online. And as we do so, having those gospel conversations see success, not as did the missionaries get into their home and teach, but did we have a meaningful gospel conversation where we shared important things that matter to us? And no one's going to be offended by that who knows us. If we say those things in a heartfelt, authentic way, no one's going to be offended. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, especially online and social media, you'll notice there, there's this trend towards like programs, like as far as like, uh, like, especially you'll see a lot with health, like there's the, you know, intermittent fasting, oh, I, I do keto or I do the whole 30 plan. Right. And to sort of approach your gospel life, like you talk about the fruits, like you're showing the fruits of of your labor. Right. And online, I love a good before and after, you know, weight loss picture. Cause like, wow, look at the dramatic change they have in their life. And for individuals to share their experience in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as this is sort of a, a lifestyle plan that I've used that really brings great fruit, great happiness in my life. And here's what I do. And not that you're pushing on others, but Hey, if you're interested, you know, we could talk more about it. Right. And uh, that's a very natural way to maybe bring up the gospel in a way. And again, not in this manipulative way where you're trying to trick people into suddenly meeting with the missionaries. You're just sharing the goodness of the gospel of your life. And if it heads that way, great. If it doesn't, well, you got another friend, you know? Right. And in a very genuine way. And don't we need all the friends that we could get? That's right. Whether they're they're online or or not. Yeah. Certainly, there's an opportunity for us to develop real and genuine friendships with people that either we've known and in our lives and have lost track of or people that we've stayed in contact with. So I lived in New Orleans for 12 years and have a very good friend who's Catholic and black, African-American. And she often says to me, she called me, her name's Paulette, called me this last week. We had a long conversation about uh, a recent book that she's just finished reading, Cast, about inclusive and diverse issues and how to promote them. And at the end, she said, tell me again, why are you so interested in Africa? I support a school there. I'm trying to help a water distribution business. Why why Africa? I said, man, Paulette, mainly because I live there. You know, I, I went as a missionary. I got involved in sharing the gospel. I wanted to expand in addition to giving people a sense of meaning in their lives that perhaps was not as available to also help in other ways. And so it was just a natural part, a natural extension of what I did for those three years to still be connected the five years since I've been home. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you to sort of bounce back to the the interest groups topic with uh, full-time missionaries, because I know with full-time missionaries, there's like, you know, you want to see progress in your area. You want to, you'd love to be involved in as many baptisms as possible. And, and if you're on this, you know, Facebook group or in this interest group about Rubik's Cube, and you're talking with somebody in Indiana and you're in Las Vegas and, you know, how, you know, that can be quite discouraging or you think, I, well, I, I want to focus on people in, in Vegas, right? And so any thoughts on that dynamic of being concerned of maybe reaching too far out of your area where you're trying to influence uh, the community through the gospel? Yeah. So today, most missions 
as long as you're having a conversation until somebody's ready to be taught, go ahead and have those. And those could be far flung. You could be talking to somebody out of the country, uh, even. And so President Sanders, who's serving in the Ghana-Akra West mission, mission that I served in, he and I correspond. He told me a couple of weeks ago that there were some missionaries in the States who started to teach someone in the Accra West mission, carried on these conversations, got acquainted, and then passed them off to the missionaries in Accra. And as a way of keeping connected, President Sanders asked the missionaries who were teaching to keep leaping back, send messages to the missionaries. Again, I don't know where they were from. They were serving somewhere in the Midwest. Keep them in the loop, if you will, so that they stayed connected. And then what in a very generous way on WhatsApp video when this person was being baptized, they connected the missionaries in the Midwest and the U.S. through WhatsApp video to the baptismal service. They were able to watch the person in West Africa being baptized from mm-hmm. the comfort of their apartment in Indiana or Wisconsin or Missouri or wherever they were. I think those sort of things are what's matter, what really matters. When as missionaries, we all know it's not about getting credit, but at the same time, <laughs> we, we all say, well, here's people I taught and saw baptized. And we take some amount of satisfaction from that, even though we all know it's the Holy Ghost that teaches, and it's not us. We're just bringing people to the point where the Holy Ghost can bear witness. But I think it's those things like what President Sanders did to connect missionaries that can make a big difference and do a tremendous amount. Uh, A friend of mine who was serving in the Benin-Togo mission, it's French-speaking, had a missionary who went home. He's from Tahiti. He got caught with some COVID requirements in Paris and wasn't able to get his flight, had to be quarantined for some period of time. He kept on Facebook and sending notes uh, on Facebook to people either he had met or that somebody mentioned to him and found a a man in Cote d'Ivoire, neighboring country to uh, Benin where he had served. And they started up a conversation. The man revealed that he was a minister and he had very genuine questions and they were able to carry on gospel conversations and he was able to refer him to the full-time missionaries when he left for Tahiti and this good brother was baptized as a result of the missionary who was in quarantine in Paris had already left his mission, not saying, all right, things are over, forget it, but instead kept at it and shared the message of the restoration that ultimately uh, resulted in, in someone listening to the gospel who probably never would have because of his position in the community and his job as a minister. Yeah. I love that. That's fascinating. Uh, What about like, is there a line, like, obviously if I went back as a missionary, I have a deep interest in BYU football, right? And so it's like, or college sports, right? But it probably still wouldn't be appropriate for me to get together with a local group and watch, uh, you know, the whatever football game was on ESPN that weekend. And so I guess there is somewhat of a line there as far as interests that full-time missionaries can do. And maybe they can then 
I don't know, involved members at that point. I don't know, but I guess there are some interests that maybe are just simply not appropriate for missionaries to get too involved with, you know, in a more casual way. I'm sure there are, but I don't think sports falls into that. So, okay, uh, just as an example, uh, I'm going to use his first name. My grandson, uh, Cannon, was called to uh, Myanmar, but then reassigned to Texas with uh, COVID. And he was online and, and joined a, a group that were all outdoors kind of people and very sports or, oriented. And he started a conversation with somebody about uh, March Madness being canceled last year, the NCAA basketball championship. And several of them went back and forth of, gee, who would you have rooted for? He's not a BYU fan. Uh who you have rooted for and why, and he carried on these conversations. And he eventually said, yeah, I'm here in Texas because I, of COVID, I'm not able to, be, to go to Myanmar. And the guy said, Myanmar? Where is that even? I don't know where Myanmar is. And he explained that it was next to Thailand and previously called Burma. And they carried on a, a conversation, and he was able to have teaching appointments with this man. All started from, gee, isn't it too bad we don't have March Madness? Yeah. So, I, yeah. you know, uh, Rubik's Cube, running, cooking, art and music, uh, they're all good, wholesome activities. And I'd say that's probably the key marker of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Uh, as long as these are wholesome, positive activities and uh, groups that interest groups that missionaries are being able to join. Many mission presidents are saying, okay, the mission presidents yeah. are in control. And if a mission president felt like something was frivolous, then so be it. Another mission president might see uh, it in a different light or in a different way. And that's their yeah. calling. And my own view is if it's positive, wholesome, interest groups go for it yeah and i think it's just worth engaging and having that conversation with the mission president say hey president i've got some ideas like here's some interests i found a few groups uh you know maybe this activity wouldn't be uh completely you know sanctioned but uh, you know it's not you know it's not like i'm joining a swim group or something but uh you know what do you think that, you know, and, and, and i'd say the same when i was serving as a, a full-time mission president even though it wasn't virtual I encouraged missionaries to do things like get involved in self-reliance classes that the church was teaching and offer to have people come. We had English classes, even though Ghana is an English-speaking official language of the country is English, most people speak a local dialect and could be Tree or Fanti or Ga, but especially in many cases, women haven't had the chance to go to school and learn English, and it limits their ability both to teach their children, to participate in church, and to be involved in other work activities. And so we had a big emphasis on learning English. Those are all things that missionaries are used to doing. I have a friend who tells me that in the Fort Worth mission, the missionaries are very involved in BYU Pathways, not only referring people to it, but sometimes teaching the classes, sometimes bringing people to these online classes. It, it goes back to when you and I, although I think I'm a little older than you, uh, <laughs> were full-time missionaries. It was all about 
give a standard door approach, teach the, my case, the six standard discussions, and don't deviate from that. Well, society has changed. The world has changed. Technology is available that was never available in the past. And as, again, Elder Uchtdorf said, some of the things we may have done in the past weren't all that successful. So let's just don't long for the good old days. Let's look forward to what's available. Let's experiment in a thoughtful, methodical way. You know, it's not anything goes, but let's do it in a deliberate way and find the means and methods that are successful. What seems to, to be successful, the very natural conversations, very genuine expressions of interest for things that are different. We're different people. So let your personality come through, if you will, and see success as having good gospel conversations, not anything else. Yeah, love that. And I'm just thinking like we and we talked about this before we hit record, but this dynamic of I felt that I had this interaction recently and I know some friends have as well as where sometimes the missionaries come over, maybe it's a, a dinner appointment or and maybe those aren't as common these days, but just the missionaries stop by and there's sort of this, this awkward question of like, well, can you give us a name of someone we could reach out to and, and possibly teach? And it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I, maybe I've sort of given, like you said, I've sort of gone through the the names of, of uh, all my friends, but to instead for a full-time mission to go over and say, Hey, you know, do you have any interest groups that you're a part of? And, and can we ask you to maybe spend 10 minutes a day in that interest group and just having casual conversations? And to me, that's something like if a missionary asked me to do that, I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. You know, I probably should do that more. And I get caught up in work and different things. And, and that would be a good place for me to use my time, you know, it's, it's sort of teaching some of these methods that full-time missionaries are doing, teaching that to the members in their area could be a great service, even though it may not lead to a specific baptism in that specific ward in which they're serving, right? Yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. And the missionaries sharing their own success stories, you know, what when they join interest groups, what seems to go well for them in sharing and, and kind of opening up a little bit, dropping the curtain, if you will, about mm-hmm. who they are and having a gospel conversation. The experiences that I shared, the sister missionary in Las Vegas, she didn't hesitate to say she was a volunteer for the, her church and waiting to have a, when COVID would pass, so she'd be able to go to the Czech Republic. She was open about that. And some people picked up on it and some people didn't. But that's a sort of a, a way of the missionaries sharing their experiences on how they on social media are, are able to meet people. Similarly, the sister who joined the jazz group, she talked about her instruments and her love of jazz and specific songs. And then she would share experiences that happened during her day or her week, because that's what friends do, right? We share experiences of what happened in our week with other people. And some people picked up on that and she was able to teach some contacts as a result, sharing how missionaries are being successful as they go to members' homes, I think is a great way of avoiding the guilt trip and enabling uh, missionaries to be well-received when they, when they come to people's homes. In some cases, missionaries are still able to go for dinner appointments. They may have to wear a mask or social distance. One of the things I actually encourage missionaries to do in Ghana is what we call reverse dinner appointments. And I talk about that 
in my book, uh, What They Don't Teach You at the MTC. Reverse dinner appointments is missionaries taking a meal to a member's home rather than just accepting meals. And in particular, in places like Ghana, people are very poor and members want to express appreciation to the missionaries. And it's a great sacrifice uh, in some cases for them to feed the missionaries. Well, in the New Testament, Peter talks about hospitality. And so we use that to say in our mission leader council, how can we express hospitality? How can we give back to members? And the missionaries themselves came up with this whole idea of reverse dinner appointments and taking meals to members. And it made a whole different atmosphere instead of the missionaries having only a single purpose when they came to your home to eat and ask for friends to either a okay we're bringing the meal and now we're teaching you something different about how to have a gospel conversation yeah i love it chris on on social media here says sharing just serve experiences works in in our area that's there's so many ways to slice this right like this approaching it and norm this has been awesome i'm really excited for your book to to come out i know a book can be a lot of work and so it's like uh, birthing another child right to, in into the world so where give us any details on that where sh- we should look for it and and uh, where do we you'd send people it's available at cedar fork so you can pre-order it right now uh, by going to cedar fork it's also available on amazon there are more than one Norman Hill. That okay. I know that uh, because occasionally I'm a part of an academic uh, review website and they keep telling me I have new citations on publications and they're in organic chemistry and I guarantee you that's not me. <laughs> but it's available at Cedar Fort. Uh, it's available on Amazon. What they don't teach you at the MTC. Um, it's Norman Hill. And I uh, would uh, appreciate feedback from people who read it as well. Yeah. And is it a book uh, primarily, I mean, is it written for, obviously anybody can learn and benefit from it, but is primarily the primary audience, people who are preparing to serve a full-time mission? The answer is yes. So prospective missionaries, I would say any youth 12 to 19 would benefit from it. Uh, I also uh, have a couple of chapters uh, at the end on re-entry back after your mission. And so return missionaries could benefit from it as well. Um, how, to, how to make a better transition back into school or work, uh, your, your next life interest. And, and then, of course, uh, as you mentioned earlier, all of us are everyday missionaries and can benefit from some of the ways that full-time missionaries are doing things by applying them in our daily lives as well. So while there's a broad audience, prospective missionaries, youth would be the primary. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to that and I hope people check it out. The last question I have for your norm is just, if you were talking to somebody just about to get on that plane to go serve a mission and you just wanted one piece of encouragement, advice to them before they did that, maybe something they didn't learn at the MTC, what would you say to them? The most important message they actually do learn at the MTC, which is rely on the Holy Ghost. You don't have to do anything alone. And so I emphasize that in my book as well. It's not a deviation from Preach My Gospel. It's instead Preach My Gospel has a lot of principles 
I try to have a lot of applications. In addition, the last couple of years, the church has produced some really useful information for missionaries and for members. Adjusting to Missionary Life is a great booklet. I have some extensions of some of the principles that are in Adjusting to Missionary Life in my book. And lastly, uh, Teaching in the Savior's Way has some really good techniques on how to be better teachers. I take some of those and, again, extend them. I said lastly, but there's actually a fourth. Not all missions are using my plan, which is a re-entry back after your mission. I started doing some things for missionaries before my plan came out. I've incorporated some of those as well as some of the ideas of my plan. And even an article that I wrote in the New Era some years ago on discovering what you're good at in the New Era. And all of those resources get summarized in pointing missionaries in some directions that will be really helpful. Most important thing is to know that the Lord is going to be with them. That as they're doing His work, He will be their companion, will be their guide. And as they rely on the Lord, the Holy Ghost will teach them all things they need to do. That concludes my interview with Norm Hill. Appreciate his uh, his work and definitely go check out his book, What They Don't Teach You at the MTC, which should be on Amazon and, and in church bookstores everywhere. It'd be a great one to read and especially a good gift, right, for that soon-to-be-leaving full-time missionary. Uh, who else do you know who's a leader who could share some things on a How I Lead segment? We'd love to connect with those individuals and uh, pick their brain and share it with the world. So go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, fill out the information there and tell us who you're thinking of. Maybe give them a heads up, see if they'd be willing to do that uh, so that then I can uh, have a warm contact there to invite them on the Leading Saints podcast and the How I Lead segment. And I remind you once again to text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.